Hello, hello, hello. And it's just me now. Just me on my own. Heather, Heather's been kicked off the podcast because she was expelled from the Labour Party. Now, I'm very sad about that, but it's really out of my hands because uh, we made a rule or, well, you know, I made a rule that you have to be a Labour member to be on this podcast. And now I'm bound, duty bound, to get rid of Heather because she's been expelled. So double blow there for Heather. But, you know, what can I do? And, you know, I'm not surprised. I mean, I knew she was anti-Semitic from the beginning. Uh, And I just want to put it on record that the only reason I did podcasts with Heather was to try and help her, (laughs) to steer her away from the incredible amount of anti-Semitism that she had in her mind. Um, That's that's my excuse. That's why I did it. That's why I uh, associated with Heather in the past. Uh, But I no longer do so. And that's the main thing that we need to take away from this. What else is going on in the news? Um, Maybe they're going to bring in the military to drive ambulances. Maybe they already have. Uh, Who knows? I'm all for bringing in the military because it's like one of the few areas of the British state that is is well funded. So I'm all like, well, why not? You know, if, if you've got money going in somewhere. I mean, hopefully you can just sort of merge military spending into the NHS budget and, and sort of retrain all of the military personnel to actually do something that's helpful and functional. I mean, you could really turn the screws on the Tories at this point and say, oh, right, so we spend all this money on the military because, you know, we need to defend the country at all times. We could be under attack any moment. And yet we can also just have them all willy-nilly around the country driving ambulances seems as if they're not that necessary you know they don't have to be ready for action at any given moment maybe they could drive ambulances all year yeah and if they do happen to be needed then we can mobilize in uh, in due course yeah that would be quite good and um, yeah okay they're not trained but why not train them how about that Anyway, so so I was reading this article from The Guardian. This is from uh, 19th of October, 2022. I ha- had this tab on my computer for about two months. There's just so many. It's, it's just the, these days, it's just, it's just endless tabs on my computer and things that I should be reading or seeing. It's just too much information. Anyway, so I finally got around to reading this thing. It's called Welcome to the Doom Loop of Tory Britain. And it's by um, Aditya Chakraborty, who uh, is pretty good journalist sometimes. Pretty good journalist, pretty amazing journalist sometimes. I guess, you know, like everybody, he has his off days. So anyway, it starts out. He talks about the bringing back of austerity and how that's being totally accepted by most of the media. And then he goes on. The UK is once again in the grip of austerity and anti-democratic politics. When we got into this crisis, precisely because of austerity and democratic failure, the vast spending cuts made by George Osborne wrecked our hospitals, our schools and our town halls and stoked the frustration that ensured Brexit. As with the banking crash, 
voters are told that only technocratic rule and austerity will deliver stability. When over the past decade, that combination served up 330,000 excess deaths, plus Nigel Farage. Just imagine the toxic politics that will escape the lab this time. This is the UK's horrific doom loop, where voters are told the untenable is inevitable, while the sensibles keep mouthing stupidities and capitalists mirthlessly toast a cadaverous capitalism. Further downstream, surveys suggest over half, 54%, of the 4 million households on universal credit have gone without food in the last month. Okay, and then there's a list of all sorts of other awful things about A&E and everything else and mortgages and whatnot. So yeah, we all know it's pretty bad, right? And then he says, it doesn't have to be like this. Even in this decade of higher interest rates and battles for resources, politicians can invest and reduce equality. Okay, so that's uh, all, all well and good, but that's pretty much the end of the article. That's all he has to say about that. And he blames the Tory party, of course, and he blames journalists for going along with the Tory party. But where, where is Labour? Where's Labour in this? Now, I'm fairly confident that the Guardian newspaper is being very careful with what it says about Starmer's leadership. Because you could read this entire article and come to the conclusion that what we need here is a Labour government. And Starmer, in his own twisted way, is doing very well and it's going to bring about this Labour government. There's no criticism here of the vast opportunity that Starmer is deliberately squandering right at this moment. Starmer's leadership itself, of course, are very happy to blur into one sort of horrible mess. Labour's terrible result in 2019, anti-Semitism and left-wing policies, all left-wing policies nationalization, progressive taxation, the re-regulating of financial markets. All of that, apparently, is damaging to labor optics, even though it's incredibly popular. And so you've got this weird thing where it's like even people that completely agree with that and actually think that, or at least hope, that Starmer will bring about some kind of change in these areas also kind of just go along with the fact that he can't publicly state that, even though that would only help him get elected, it would only, it would only give the party more of a boost in the polls. I mean, it, Labour, are, Labour are ahead in the polls, be, primarily because people are upset with the Tory party and we live in a two-party system, and so the only way you can really show your dissatisfaction, really stick it to the Tories, is by backing Labour, because that chucks them out. But Starmer himself, of course, is personally unpopular because whenever he's talking on television about le- what he wants to do with the Labour Party, it's it's completely divorced from where people are in the country. Nobody's, nothing that he says has any resonance. And of course, on top of all of that, what he's doing in the Labour Party to shut down individual left-wing voices, individual members, expelling them, for example or organizations to completely silence those who are pushing who are pushing for the very policies implied by this article in the guardian just adds to people's frustration with where labor where labor are so 
you can write this article in The Guardian, oh, we need this, if only we could have that. Aren't the Tories bad? Isn't the media bad? But then if you don't acknowledge what's happening in the Labour Party is, is also part of that problem, then it's, a, it's very suspicious. Anyway, speaking of people being chucked out of the Labour Party, recently expelled Heather Mendick spoke to recently expelled NEC member Naomi Wimborne Adrisi about what life is like being expelled. I know of another Jewish person as well who I'm not sure if I'm allowed to name him yet, so I won't. But three Jews expelled during Hanukkah. Wow. Yeah. Well done, UK Labour. Great timing. Yeah. <laughs> Did you watch Kistama's Hanukkah video? I saw that it existed and decided not to. You should watch it. It's just total gaslighting. Like to be doing this to us and be saying it's really great that I'm building relationships with the Jewish community. And it's, yeah, it's kind of sick. But it's um, kind of sick. Yeah. in a bad way, not in a sick, mm. good way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, so t- tell me what happened exactly in your case, because obviously it's been very much leaked across multiple media sources. Yes. But- Fascinating. So I was celebrating my 70th birthday last Thursday, December the 15th. That's my birthday every year on December the 15th. (laughs) And so I was having a nice time with friends and I wasn't looking at my emails at all. Uh, But I did occasionally check WhatsApp because, you know, people might have been saying, oh, dear, I'm going to be late or whatever. So about 11 o'clock, bit before 11, I saw these panicked WhatsApp messages from friends saying, hearing these terrible rumours that you're expelled, what's going on? And I'm saying, what? what? What are you talking about? And it turned out that a certain Lee Harpin, who we all know and love, now of Jewish News, formerly Jewish Chronicle, um, had been tweeting um, that, first of all, he said, and this was about a couple of hours after the email, the private email to me was sent. I hadn't seen it. Right. Um, about it. Um, saying hearing of a of a significant labour expulsion, and then an hour later, multiple sources confirm that Naomi Wimborne Idrisi has been expelled from the Labour Party. So I'm thinking, oh, multiple sources confirm, do they? Well, that's interesting because that could only be members of the uh, the GLU, governments of the yeah. EU, who send out our letters, yeah. members of the panel, presumably a three person NEC panel whose identity I've never I'm not told, we're never told who's on the panel, are we? Um, Or other people in positions to have access to this stuff. So it's a clear data breach. It happens to nearly everybody, but it did seem to be particularly egregious, shall we say, in the case of an elected NEC member, as I am, am, (laughs) despite what's happened since, and I don't know whether I want to go into that, Um, you know, I'm still an elected NEC rep until my appeal has been heard I would have thought but maybe the rules are different on that and I just think well this is yet another example of of blatant factionalism targeting people on the left and there've been so many you're you're an example of where you've been left hanging on for months and months and months it's scandalous and then there've been these sort of snap decisions like Andrea Egan you know national president of Unison yeah just expelled because of some vague link with an organization that the leadership has decided to to proscribe. And yeah, I I do want to make clear to people though, I do not think that expelling me on my birthday was a wicked plot. 
I mean, they had, <laughs> I mean, that's going a bit far. They had yeah. a, um, an NEC panel meeting on that day. And I'm sure they may have noticed that it was my birthday and not given a damn, but that's not the same as suggesting that they did it on purpose. So, yeah, they probably didn't even notice. A lot of this stuff yeah. is, they, they have panels. My, my view is they have a whole batch of panels and they're just working through yeah. them now, which is why a lot of letters are going out. And that's right. yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a, I think we can ascribe a little, I mean, it's clearly malevolent, but it's mm -hmm. not malevolent in that kind of like, I want to target you on a particular day. No, no. In some ways that kind of goes against it because they actually don't want to see malevolent in that way. They want to see like they're, they're fair, doing fair processors. They want to see. Oh, malevolent. yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. And, and people might be curious, but the fair process in my case was suspending me shortly after I'd been elected to the NEC over the summer, the only Jewish candidate elected um, CLP rep. Um, and I was suspended on the basis of something I'd done over a year a year earlier. And this is very surprising, isn't it? I mean, well, why would you store up this yes. evidence of my having spoken at a meeting, which was online and available to view since September 2021? And suddenly, oh, my goodness, it becomes terribly important to administratively suspend me with urgency. Um, because, because what? <laughs> because it was inconvenient to the ruling faction to have someone like me on the NEC. I mean, there really is, it's very difficult to find any other interpretation. So I think bias is evident throughout the process. In my case, you'll get so many other cases. Yeah, I mean, the timing is always very interesting. In, in your case, like why did they not suspend you before or expel you before before you had a chance to run this is the mm -hmm. crucial question I think and I think anyone who can't answer that question about why that suspension and exclusion happened to, to block you from joining the NEC they wanted to beat you democratically this is what the right always wants to do is they want yes. to win democratically yeah. they fail to win democratically some of the time some of the time they do win democratically mm -hmm. usually occasionally with a, a few cheats involved um, minor cheats involved but often they they do because they're organized they have the structure mm. under control and they yep. like that mechanism yeah they don't like to kind of come out into the open and expose the processes I think yeah. like your case is really interesting because it exposes those processes because it it's like when the machine shows a little bit about what it's really doing mm. yes I think so um <laughs> I think well obviously they they presumably hoped that I wouldn't be elected and yes. given that there was not unity on the left, they had good reason to think that I probably wouldn't get elected. So it must have been a bit of a shock when, in, despite certain impediments, uh, <laughs> I was elected. So, and that's when the wheels must have started to turn. And of course, there was there was a wildly hysterical public campaign by the Jewish Labour Movement and the Board of Deputies and the Jewish Leadership Council and who else? I can't remember the usual suspects anyway. Yeah saying that this woman must not be permitted to get anywhere near any influence on, on the NEC. It's a shocking setback in the fight against anti-Semitism. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess anti-Semitism is such a weird thing now that it doesn't bear any resemblance to actual anti-Semitism or any relationship to it. This is it, it absolutely yeah. doesn't. It's so bizarre. And what you highlighted in your video about the way they, they constantly try and suggest that what people like us do is hampering their attempts to deal with racism. And first of all, excuse me, what attempts is that exactly, given yeah. the horrendous position of Black and, and Muslim members in the party and how furious and angry those, those 
comrades are becoming, quite understandably. Um, and then, you know, what are they doing to actually combat genuine anti-Semitism? I mean, I don't see it. I yeah. Don't. So, Indeed. No. Um, so you were saying that despite the impediments, you got elected. So let's just talk about those impediments. Because um, when you were elected, like the significance of it seemed to me very, very big because for a long time, there's been a, a growing split between momentum and the kind of left grassroots. Mm. Uh, and that's kind of manifested around these slates ever since um, they dropped Pete Wilsman in the middle of, of an election for, for National Exec. And it's, it's got more, more pronounced, I think, since then. Mm -hmm. And I think this marked the only time, your election marked the only time that someone who didn't have momentum support, mm -hmm. someone who did have momentum support in mm -hmm. an, uh, a major internal election yes. within the Labour Party. I thought that was actually both interesting and for me hopeful in mm. the sense that there was a kind of manifestation of not just a small group of people who felt that momentum wasn't really the strand of the left they wanted, but of yeah. a wider group of people. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about that experience and how that worked and what you think yeah. the significance of it is? I definitely agree with you that there was a lot that was hopeful about that campaign um, because there were 13 organisations that did back a slate which included me. And of course, I wasn't standing in opposition to any amendments and back candidates. We were campaigning for all five. So that was Jess, me, Yasmin, Gemma and Mish. We campaigned for all of them. When I sought endorsements, I explicitly sought endorsement for grassroots five. Uh, but people, it, it sort of really exposed the fact that <laughs> momentum was, we had decided that it could not tolerate me. Um, they gave all sorts of weird reasons, which I really don't think we should go into because it was very duplicitous and dishonest of them, the way they, the way they pretended that, oh, we'd always said there should only be four candidates and, and all sorts of other things that they brought up. Um, so, you know, there was there was I with the support of 12 other organisations in addition to JBL, all campaigning away for this slate of five. And people were aware of the role that Momentum was playing. And lots of people deliberately adopted the strategy that the Grassroots Five slate with me on it were adopting and not the strategy that Momentum were adopting. And I mean, I felt sorry for Mish because he was actually a casualty of that. Yeah. Um, um, I'm sure that's why. I, mean, I, I think we could probably have got all five of us elected if we had had mentions backing. But there you go. Yeah. So, so now, if we could, I'm, I'm we, you know, use the notice that we've recently put out a um, a statement for people to sign. Yeah. I'm astonished at these signatures that are just flooding in. Lots of them, obviously, from people who have already given up on Labour, unfortunately. But the majority are from people who are still members of the party. Some of them hold positions that they really, I can, I could well understand if they said, oh, I don't want to risk this position, I'm not going to sign. But they are signing, and I find that very encouraging. Maybe at last, people are feeling the need to stand up, as you and I have been saying for many, many months, they needed to. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Hope, hope there are hopeful signs there. Yeah. I mean, we'll put up, I'll put a link in the description below this video to that statement. And um, yeah, try to use this video and other things to kind of promote it. Because I mean, statements only go so far, but it is useful for people to speak 
to to put their name to something. I think that's what's really mm-hmm. important because I think a lot of this works through intimidation. Um, so I guess you have the same thing which I've had, which is people will send me private messages sometimes, but not publicly support. Yes. And particularly councillors. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. It. Not to mention MPs, of course. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see where. Uh, I don't get MPs. I'm not quite that. Right. Of... Yeah. Well, we did for Grassroots Five, you see, we got a handful of brave, brave souls. Right. So um, whether they feel able to continue supporting that grassroots movement which sort of got me to yeah (laughs) put my head on a stake and parade it around you know that's but it's interesting can can we go back and look at this question of the um the way the party is using prescription as a way of uh, because what it does is it saves them going through the rigmarole they had to go through with you of actually trying to prove that things you'd said were, you know, undermining the struggle against anti- against racism and so on, because they just have to say, well, we've decided X organisations on the left are not compatible with, with Labour Party membership. You once did something that indicated that you think they're that they're not the devil incarnate. Therefore, you are the devil incarnate, and you're out, and we don't have to prove anything. Yes, so that's what they've been doing with so many people, from Ken yes. Loach through Ian Hodson. Andrea Egan, I already mentioned, Pamela, Pamela Fitzpatrick. Um, And in many cases, they've done it retrospectively, which is legally very dodgy, and they must know that. Um, I don't have that defence because they had already proscribed some of of the organisations in July 2021. And in September 21, I took part in a discussion at Labour Party conference that year, which had been organised as part of a festival. It's caused a lot of confusion because the festival was called Resist! Exclamation mark. So everybody's saying, oh, right, she was on a, on a resist platform. Oh, dear, she obviously supports Chris Williamson. I mean, I, I love Chris Williamson, but I've told him over and over again, I think the path he took after his appalling treatment by the party was not, not helpful. So I, I don't support resist yes. the organisation, but that shouldn't stop me taking part in a discussion with the title, bear in mind, of McCarthyism and Starmer's Labour. That was the title. And there were half a dozen people participating. I was not originally billed as a speaker, but because of my involvement with, you know, all the work that JVL's done helping people who've been victims of the McCarthyism in the party. Uh, I was very pleased when they said, would you join in? One of the speakers is a, a prominent and eminent professor of media studies who I used to work with at Reuters so I was particularly interested to join that panel Um, and then you know a year later it's thrown back at me you are a supporter of resist labor against the witch hunt and labor in exile network because their names were on the the organizing group for this whole festival and it's yeah I mean somebody's pointed out to me Wes Streeting goes and speaks at the policy exchange quite a lot there are all sorts of forums, right-wing forums, yes. that leading Labour Party people go and speak on with far more, you know, it would be far more legitimate to suggest that they support the people organising those than there is to suggest that I support the groups involved in organising yeah. that I mean, obviously this is nonsense. I mean, mm. this is the thing, isn't it? It's, like, really yeah. difficult, though, because when you start to explain why it's nonsense, mm. it's very difficult to, to do it because kind of give it credibility in some yeah. sense that's oh, no. what's so difficult with all this I mean proscription is and I was very lucky with with my 
disciplinary case in the sense that it wasn't prescription if it had been I would not fault it because I would see no point there's I, um I didn't want to stay in the party I mean I'm different than you I kind of want yeah, to yeah well I kind of feel yeah. I must because people voted yeah. for me and it's... yes you kind of have to yeah I didn't yeah. once it got to November and we had been through council selections I decided to leave and I stayed because I thought there was kind of some kind of educational value out of mine in the sense mm-hmm. they had yeah, to make yeah. a decision they had to say do we think that this person should not be a member of the Labour Party because of these statements? Yeah. But prescription, you're right. It kind of, it, it appears to be a fair procedure. You know, here mm-hmm. we are, we set out the rules, you do whatever, you did this thing, it's really bad. But of course, because of the reasons you said, it's not a fair procedure, but it, it allows them to not actually expose the me- mechanics in, in quite mm-hmm. the same detail. It allows them to hide certain things. And so it's very, very convenient. It allows them to also to work very, very quickly. They Mm -hmm. can get rid of people much faster. Oh, absolutely, yes. 14 days to appeal. And and nobody ever gets a response to their appeals anyway. Mine will go go to them shortly and I'll make it public. So even if they don't respond to it, at least people will see what, what we've been arguing. I mean, this is the other thing which is kind of interesting is that you're not supposed to make anything about your case public. <laughs> yeah, okay everywhere. Exactly. This yeah. is so, so contradictory that it's yeah. against the rule book to, to talk public. There's a code of conduct which specifically states that for the sake of all parties concerned, you know, nothing to do with these disciplinary matters must be made public to the media or to any third parties. But it doesn't apply in our case. It's actually in every letter that the GLU sends out as well. There's a little yeah. paragraph in there, isn't there? Saying you must not. And it would be a disciplinary offence to it to to do that, to share my own case with anybody else it would be a disciplinary offence. But for them to share it with a hostile journalist with a long record of exposing people on the left and attacking people on the left. And getting successfully sued about the way he does it as well yeah. on another occasion. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about what it means for the Labour Party then. So, so you're not going to be on the NEC. I'm pretty sure they're going to. They, yeah. They're going to. They've already replaced you. So they've already yeah. replaced you because they they have no intention of putting you back on. The same way that they have no intention of letting Jeremy be a candidate at the next election. Yes. That's very clear. Um. So, what does this mean? I mean. Does it make any difference? Would it make any difference having you on, on the NEC? This is a question, isn't it? Given where we are, what yeah. dif- what analysis do you bring to it? What can you could you have done? Yeah, well, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, the left is in a tiny minority on the NEC now. Um, I mean, even if I was one of them as well, it still would be a handful of trade union reps from the left and the, the four who were, who were on the grassroots five slate. And that's about it, really. Um, I think one or two people sort of wavering in the middle who you might manage to persuade to support some action or other. But OK, let's something really important that the NEC should be doing is yeah. implementing the recommendations of the Ford report that would have made the party more open and democratic and would have tackled the dis- dysfunctional culture and would have looked at um, how we educate people about racism in a in a in a deep and reflective way, which, of course, is not happening now. Um, so I'm, I won't be there to push for, you know, a, a sort of deep analysis of, of those things and to uh, and to make a noise about it. Does it really matter if there's people on, on the NEC making a noise? I think it did for a while when we were actually trying to mo- mobilise movement. 
yeah um uh because it it meant that people could put out like laura pickock and Adi jama used to make statements and then they would publicize those statements and people outside could see yeah you know there is something to fight for here but um now i'm undoubtful as to how significant it is because the party's direction has been chosen yes yeah. sort of neoliberal pro-imperialist keeping the world safe for a sort of liberal version of capitalism that that's their that's their vision <laughs> um and anybody who diverts from it is liable to be subjected to disciplinary action i mean some of the councillors who've been kicked off long lists and then my short lists council candidates just ridiculous people who aren't like you and me you know <laughs> but they're dangerous too and apparently they're dangerous so they have to they have to go so what's the point now oh dear I, I don't know I mean really it's just there are still people in the party who do have faith in that need for a parliamentary road need to have something to vote for that isn't Tories yeah so I don't want to abandon those people um I would like to think that there are things that we can be doing that work within the Labour Party, but there's such a lot going on that doesn't depend on Labour Party membership. I mean, we could be on picket lines every day of the week. We could yeah. be supporting refugees facing deportation. We could be involved in anti-racist activism and so many other things. So plenty to do, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, my feeling is that right now doing stuff outside the Labour Party is a better use of my time and has been for mm -hmm. quite a while. And mm -hmm. so I've kind of cut links to the Labour Party for, for a year or so really and I've been reducing the time I spent on it for some ever since really Jeremy well and we lost in 2019 yeah, and yeah. kind of um because it takes a lot of energy the Labour Party I mean if you were on the NEC that's an enormous amount of time right yes. but even at local level um because a meeting isn't just a meeting you can say okay this meeting is two hours or it's one day or whatever it is but there's a lot of work goes into making that meeting effective sure um, and, and often more time than the actual meeting takes itself in terms of getting up on the issues, um, trying to bring people on side, being strategic, trying to organise for people to turn out for the meeting, yep, around it. and I'm not convinced about um, the usefulness of that time right now in terms mm -hmm. of late party, but I might be wrong, I might yeah. be completely wrong, and maybe, maybe it's necessary. I don't know. Well, I, I know good comrades in my, in my CLP and many others who really devote their entire lives to this sort of thing, to making their branches function, to trying to make the CLP work in the interests of, of the members and, and broadly, you know, society, because we, th these people are trying to get Labour government elected. Yeah. Um, so, yes, of course, I can see that. But th this diversion of our energies, this also applies to the anti-Semitism situation, because I whereas i used to devote my life to constructive work around you know palestine bringing the attention to of the public to what's what's going on in palestine and, and why israel needs to be held to account now i spend all my time defending people who want to support palestine against ridiculous charges mainly not always you know we have to keep saying it don't we of course there is anti-semitism in every sector of society um but uh, we, we spend all our time defending each other against charges of anti-Semitism instead of getting on with defending the Palestinians. Interestingly, it's um, the election of fascists in Israel does seem to have made some people think, you know, there's a thing on BBC last night, Radio 4, right. the news at 10, nice little package from um, 
Tom, I can't remember his name. Anyway, their journalist in, uh, in the West Bank talking about the way settlers are being allowed to rampage around destroying Palestinian lives, smashing up family homes and things. I just noticed that, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in what you said. Yeah, the diversion of energy. This is clearly what it's about, right? Mm. And, and the diversion of energy and the, the attempt to divide people up yes. internally. Um, and this is kind of why I, I think we need to keep doing this, because we need to stop or try to stop attempts to divide people. Mm. But it's not working. No. But I do think that is worth putting energy into. Yes, personally. definitely. definitely. Yeah. I, I think, you know, anything that people like us can do to bring together all the disparate forces progressive forces in fact you know I don't want to sort of big ourselves up particularly but you know we all have our role to play yeah. um so and I, I want to be open to working with anybody who'll work with me really <laughs> it's the opposite of that thing about not wanting to join a club that will have me as a member I mean <laughs> besides the labour part but in terms of building a broader movement I want to find areas of agreement with as many people as possible yeah. People who understand that our civil liberties are under threat in this country. Freedom of speech is under attack. You know, there are people being arrested for, well, these young people getting arrested for um, just stop all demonstrations and so on. It's becoming very draconian and scary. It um, is. Yeah. Where does it all end, you know? History is not encouraging on this. No, and it's it's kind of global, as you're saying, in Israel, but also India seems to be following the same path yes. as Israel at the yes. moment. Very Obviously, nice. yeah, I mean, there's there's a kind of strong left in Latin America, but there's strong counter forces, as we can mm, see. In um, yeah, and across Europe as well. Yeah, yeah. So, that's right. Yeah, so we do need to find a way to... We do. But actually, like, work together. And I think one of the things which is really depressing is that people will just not touch people like you and me sometimes mm -hmm. because they mm -hmm. see us as somehow kind of, like you say, dangerous, um, maybe a little bit contaminating. Yeah, well, we're tainted. We're tainted yeah. because we've fallen foul of the Labour Party leadership. Therefore, you know, it's it's risky to be anywhere near us. So it happened first with people like Jackie Walker and Mark Wadsworth. Nobody was allowed to go near them. Chris yeah. Richardson, of course. Um, and yeah, and there are others. So there's a growing list of people who some people are too frightened to um, publicly be friendly with. Like you said, people will send you nice little private notes, but um, don't want to be seen yeah. speaking in the same room with you or anything like that. So maybe we just need to end by asking people to be a little bit braver. Mm. Um, and like not to abandon yeah, um, yeah. people because if we do that we all lose don't we we just completely lose yes yeah I mean we have been saying for a long time that people do need to have to stand up it's all very well to say it's important to stay in the Labour Party therefore we must find ways of working around the rules and around the attacks yeah. but I think we're way past the point where it's acceptable to use that fear as an excuse for not showing solidarity with people who are your comrades. Because we, well, as, we, as we're seeing, everybody can become a victim of it. It's like the old Martin Neimoller thing, isn't it? About first they came for the socialists and I didn't blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So we're, th this is it, we're, we're at this point now. 
yeah. um, and I'm rather hoping that the positive developments in terms of joint working by small grassroots organizations in the Labour Party around the campaign to get me elected those groups are still in contact with each other and still working in fact you know the, the statement that we've put out for people to sign although it was drafted mainly by JBL it was the result of discussions with those other groups um, and many of them are already promoting it and whether we can use that as a way of Feeling, putting a bit of spine into people who are feeling very scared well I hope we can I hope we can yeah I think a lot of people want to be able to speak out and don't feel able to I'll obviously never know that feeling because I'm an upstanding Labour member and I've had no disciplinary action taken against me and I never will basically because I don't matter like unless unless people the only way I would get any sort of suspension I think would be if people actually listen to this podcast so in a way it's kind of the fact that I haven't is a sign of my own failure my own inconsequence my own inconsequentialness anyway so Heather's been expelled from the Labour Party our last video was taken down for copyright reasons from The Guardian feeling very under attack here here at complaints on a plate tower here in the bunker we're under the cosh we're gonna do a Christmas episode next week complaints on a plate the most persecuted the most cancelled podcast on the internet living in constant fear hounded online encircled by wolves join us for our Christmas spectacular next week